Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here. Welcome back to The Vibe Show. Today, I have the great honor of interviewing a fellow Floridian, Tom Woods. He has won more awards than you can count. He is a senior fellow at the Mises Institute. He's a very well-known libertarian. He has a podcast called The Tom Woods Show. And he has everything from an undergraduate degree at Harvard to a PhD from Columbia, so super credentialed. And he's been all over CNBC, Fox, MSNBC. He's the author of 12 books. They have been published in at least a dozen countries. And he's just amazing. I've been trying to get him on the show for many months. I'm very excited to introduce you to Tom Woods. Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. So welcome to the Vibe Show, Tom Woods. Thank you very much. Okay, you've been all over the country. I had not been following your show. I did not identify as a libertarian, but I know that that's really how you've become well-known. Um, and I'm really interested in that topic because we have not touched that on this show. But, you know, what I'd love to do is have you talk about what a libertarian is, because you have a lot of disenfranchised, especially Republicans, right? We like we thought our party stood for a certain thing. And this year we've discovered that they're sort of like the old Democrats and the Democrats are like the the American Communist Party. So if and, you know, maybe I'm assuming too much of the audience. That's how I feel. We'll put it that way. That's how I feel. So can we just start with what's a libertarian and how would you get here to so much of your content being about the scandemic? Okay. Well, in order to answer that, l- let me say something about just a tiny bit about my own evolution of my thinking, because I think I was in exactly where you're talking about being, where I was part of the, let's say, conservative movement. And year after year, it just seems like the conservative movement was the biggest bunch of losers of all time. They had no victories to point to at all, or the most frivolous, trivial victories. While the country was burning down, they'd be focused on something completely idiotic. And the left was dominating the messaging, dominating the culture, dominating the society, dominating government at every level. Even if the Republicans, so-called, would get elected, you still have countless hordes of bureaucrats in all these agencies who are fighting them tooth and nail. So it seems to me that the peop- folks in, in in the Democrats or the left, they, they're serious. They actually mean what they say. Whereas it seemed to me that the conservative movement was about uh, grifting, uh, making money for think tanks so that the think tank president can drive around in a limousine. And as the years went on, they would wind up just defending the very things that they opposed 30 years earlier. But because they had been around for 30 years, now they were going to conserve them. Well, okay. Well, if you're like me, you don't look around Americans these days and say, there's a whole lot of stuff I want to conserve here. I, I don't particularly want to conserve anymore. I want to knock over a whole lot of things that have been done. Uh, so, so what is a libertarian? A libertarian is somebody who doesn't say, well, you know, 30 years on, I, I realized that my my opponents who can't stand the sight of me and wish me dead had a lot of good points. That's not who we are. Nope. We are just going to take our position and stick with it, regardless of whether it makes us popular or not. And so libertarianism 
can be reduced to one single moral principle that most of us think we believe in, but when you really apply it, I'm not sure how many do. And that's just called the non-aggression principle, that you don't commit physical aggression against another peaceful person. You could defend yourself if someone commits it against you, but you don't initiate aggression against any peaceful person. Now, you hear that, you think, well, that's what I teach my kids. This is what my parents taught me. Okay, but we really, really mean it. Like we have an extremely high threshold that has to be met before violence will be allowed. And since the state operate, and by state, I don't mean Massachusetts, Vermont, I mean state in the sense of Spain, Portugal, Canada, the United States, the state operates through violence and threats and coercion. So we oppose what the state tends to get up to. And what the state tends to get up to is usually no good. It usually tends to undermine our prosperity, damage our money in terms of the quality of the money. It tends to, it tends to barrage the public with a whole bunch of propaganda. But whatever the latest crisis is, it's almost always 85% propaganda, if not 100%, time and again and again and again and again. And unlike uh, Republicans who, you know, 50% of whom will just will line up and say, yes, indeed, this is a terrible crisis. We just want to address it 5% differently from the current regime. Sorry, not interested in that. Not interested in that. That is the path to destroying our society. No, we want to resist fully. Uh, we don't want to say, well, let's make the vaccine passport a little bit more user friendly so you can have it on your phone. What? That is not, that's not the approach we want to take. We're going to say absolutely not. No way. So we are what some conservatives pretend to be or claim they are. We actually are. So, but, but that, that's across the board. That also means that if you want to, to use some drug that you think is going to benefit your health or benefit you in some way, well, generally, we want you to do that. You're, you can inform yourself. There are a lot of ways to assure the safety of drugs or whatever. These are the sorts of decisions you ought to be able to, to make without being threatened that someone's going to toss you in a cage. This is just not – that's how a thug behaves. The way we want to behave is in a way that's worthy of rational human beings. So no aggression against your fellow man. And instead of constantly drumming into kids' heads the idea that public service is the most valuable occupation, by which they mean politics, our argument is that really what makes society run is commerce, is pleasing your fellow man, thinking of how can I take my talents and put them to the service of my fellow man, because that's how you get prosperous in this world. The world of politics is one in which you pit some of your fellow men against others of your fellow men. So the old against the young, blacks against whites, rich against poor, industry against agriculture, where everybody is fighting for a piece of some pie and everybody's trying to elbow in with their lawyers and lobbyists. That's the way to hell and destruction. What we believe in is voluntary interaction of people who have things to offer for other people who would like to have them. We, what we want is peace internationally and peace domestically. That's what libertarianism is. You mentioned that 85% of what we're fed in the media is propaganda. And, and I just want to point out that that is the problem is that 15% of it or up to 15% of it might actually be true. And yeah. so that's what keeps you coming back for more. So there's this, this kernel of truth around which a whole ton of lies is, uh, is wrapped. And in fact, five days before the, um, Atlanta false flag event, 
which people say, you know, somebody died, therefore the whole thing has to be true. No, somebody could have died and it could be a false flag event. But, you know, five days before that happened, I said, I predict very soon a false flag event involving a bunch of Asians. You guys should go look at it. It's literally on my Facebook page, but it was like so darn obvious to see. And yet the vast majority of Americans think we have this huge wave of Asian hate. So uh, do you mind if I just jump in? Of course. On that? But it's because I wondered to myself, suppose we really had been facing the black death with this virus. I mean, let's suppose, because as we all know, that wiped out a third of the European population. And of course, some places were hit harder than others. Some places, half the population was wiped out. If we really had been facing that, how would we know the difference in the way the media behaved? So the, the problem is because they lie constantly, we can't ever know if we're really facing a, a, you know, a potentially civilization ending crisis. We can't know because they act the same no matter what it is. Yes. And I've noticed in your emails. So I saw, I saw a video of yours and I, I don't know if you can guess which one it is. Cause I don't know who, I don't know where you were, but you were live in front of a group. I, I know that you did a California speakeasy. I don't know if it was there. I don't think so because you did a really great slide presentation and I, you know, I, I hear a lot of good content and hundreds of people a day send me content and I, I obviously can't watch all of it, but I, I was so good that I watched it twice and there's very oh, few things. You. Yeah. Just fantastic content. So I went and found you, which I just I don't often do. And then I think I've been trying to, I think my assistant's been trying to track you down for months. Um, so you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm going to cram in questions because I know you have a hard stop here, but. Um, so you, you lately have been showing a lot of graphs of mask mandates and how they correlate almost inversely to infections and hospitalizations. What, what right now is on your mind about all the scams around this supposed virus that is like really on your mind that you want to talk about? Well, it's that here we are roughly a year later, right? So we have had now a year to observe this thing. So there really isn't much excuse for not knowing what's going on or uh, just yesterday, yesterday I was, I was shopping for a, a bike in a sporting goods store for my daughter. And they have a sign up there about their store policies. And one of the, one of the store policies has to do with restocking. So if you return an item, they, you know, some, maybe they'll charge you a restocking fee or whatever. And it says that Merchandise that's returned, I'm not joking, Robin, I'm not joking. Merchandise that would be, that is returned will be quarantined. I'm not kidding you. Merchandise, <laughs> merchandise is going to be quarantined. Now, so they still, even though, even the, I'm virtually certain that even the CDC, I've read a professor of public health at Harvard even said in the Washington Post, we don't have a single verified case of the virus spreading from an infected surface. Not one. Well, they, I guess they quarantined the ballots too. Well, yeah, there's a lot of quarantining going on, but quarantining of non-human, not inanimate objects. I, I even you, you would think if you were a bicycle basket, you could evade this whole thing, but apparently not. Even you can be subject to quarantine. So for me, you know, when it, I, I have this story that's kind of similar to a lot of people in March of 2020, I did not know what was going on. I did not know how serious this was going to be. So I thought I would wait and see. And I, you know, I had a, my daughter was supposed to have a birthday party and, and, and all the parents were canceling. And I thought, well, I mean, I, that's very disappointing, but I, I can sort of understand where they're coming from. Now I just have no patience for anybody anymore. <laughs> and now that we've right. been through a year of this and observed it. So what I started to do was 
look at, I want to see, I want to see graphically what's going on around the world. So I started looking at charts and curves and whatever, and there are some great people out there who've been making some great charts. And what I want to do is try to compare places because I want to know if we can demonstrate clearly, graphically, that the interventions like the lockdowns and the masks, that they, whether they work or not, because you can give me all the, all the models, the, the models they use in these papers assume that masks work. And then they, at the end of the paper, what do you know? They conclude that masks work. Okay. I'm not interested in your model. I want to know in real life, let's look at this county next to that county. Now, now there's no, sometimes you try to compare places and they'll say, Oh, those two places are too different to compare. There's so many variables that you can't compare. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Even if I accept that, how about I compare this county in Tennessee next to that county in Tennessee? These people are identical, basically. Demographically, they're identical. And so the very first one that I saw that that's that uh, that I liked was a, a chart showing four counties in Tennessee. And it shows their curves of of uh, of deaths and cases and all that. And one of those four counties limited dining occupancy to 25 percent. 25% capacity. The other ones didn't. The curves are identical. So I use this as a quiz. I say to people, all right, all you people who think all this stuff works, this should be a breeze for you because it should stick out like a sore thumb because everything else about these people is identical. The one difference is no, basically, in effect, no indoor dining in this place. Can you pick out which one of these is that county? Of course, no one can. No one can. I love quizzes where the other side gets a zero. Every single time they get a zero. So recently, I had another chart showing Midwestern states. So I've got a dozen lines on this chart showing the trends in the Midwestern states. Now, back in early February, Iowa dropped its state-level restrictions. So I said, okay, this should be a breeze for everybody. Iowa ought to stick out like a sore thumb. It ought to be the death capital of the world. Go ahead. Show me, because I'm, I'm not going to label them, not going to label the states for you. I want you to pick out for me out of these lines on this graph which one of these is Iowa? And of course, they all hem and haw and try and change the subject and they can't. It's unbelievable. Or the, the, the talk you're talking about, I spent a lot of time on the masks and I showed charts from a lot of European countries and also some American states. I said, all right, here's the trajectory of the virus over time in this particular country. Now, where on this chart do you think the mask mandate went into effect? So I kept that off the chart to make it a fun quiz. And then after people make their best guess, then I show you. So you assume it must be the numbers peak, then they bring in masks, and then the numbers fall. You, you think that must be where the mask came in. But as you see in country after country after country, it's completely random. There is no way to know where the mask mandate went into effect. It's almost as if the masks don't do anything. The Philippines have just seen almost a vertical move in their numbers, vertical on the chart, even though they have, they are the most masked, mask compliant country in the world. And they're still at 94% compliance. And we were told, remember Robert Redfield, who was the head of the CDC last year, that, that masks, if we just wore them between four and eight weeks, this thing would be behind us. The Philippines, like most countries, have been masked up for months and months and months. And we were all told, oh, uh, masks are the solution. Masks are why the Czech Republic managed to smack down the virus. Then four months later, the numbers skyrocket and we just don't hear about the Czech Republic anymore. We don't, or, or in Rhode Island, Rhode Island, we were told because they were brutal and totalitarian, 
they brought the virus down and we need to listen to the science and so on and on. Then the numbers went way up and we just, they just don't report on Rhode Island anymore. So that, and, and by the way, oh, one more, I just, I can't resist this. One more. Just today in my email newsletter, just today, I sent out a chart from the Financial Times and it's a chart showing the numbers. Now I know cases is a dumb metric, but look, if these people are going to use it, you know, if they're going to live by it, they're going to die by it. And so in this chart, we see the trends in New York, New Jersey, Michigan, and Florida. New York, New Jersey, and Michigan sharply up. Florida slightly up in the past week or so, slightly up. And then I say to my newsletter audience, which one of these states do you think the New York Times just wrote an article about, about its rising cases? Well, not New York, not New Jersey, not Michigan. Florida, where the alleged rise is barely a blip. They wrote a whole article about that. These are not normal people who are just looking out for your health. They're just not. Okay, quick, just one word, Cambodia. I just got this from you today because I was looking through your emails to come up with like, I love that one. fun questions. <laughs> Cambodia. I love that one. Okay, yeah, let's say something about Cambodia. Now, look, I, I don't, I'm not making fun of Cambodia. I want people to understand this. It's that the public health establishment has made us believe that the extent to which a country does well with respect to the virus has to do with how, what, how much they listen to the public health establishment. Well, look, Cambodia was listed at number 83 out of the world's countries in terms of pandemic preparedness. 83, not three, 83. So and, pandemic preparedness, meaning like just having like all the swabs on hand and, okay. Right. Yeah. Like they, they know what, like they've, they've thought it through. They've got the infrastructure in place. So you would not think Cambodia would really come out of this smelling like roses unless something else is going on. Cambodia has, they claim, had zero deaths from it. Like this week, right? Like really recently. Very, yes. And so what could be, so so now we're, they're actually trying to say with a straight face that that's because of the world-renowned Cambodian public health establishment. Sorry, I'm just not buying that. I wish the Cambodian people nothing but the best, but I am not buying that. And then I think it was, what was the thing in that article? There was a story about, people using charmed scarecrows to scare away the virus in Cambodia. And I said to my readers, hey, don't knock it. It's, it's better than Fauci. I, I, they have a better track record over there than Fauci. So it looks like in East Asia and Southeast Asia, what we're facing is what our friend at Stanford University, Jay Bhattacharya, calls policy invariance, which means no matter what policy you introduce in those countries, it seems to do pretty well. So Japan was relatively laissez-faire. And the way you know they were relatively laissez-faire is that the media in the West was screaming for months that Japan was going to get hit hard. The hospitals were going to be overwhelmed in Tokyo and they're going to get what they deserve. I mean, they didn't quite say that, but you knew that's what they were thinking. They're going to get what they deserve for not doing what the West tells them. And that Japan's death rate is like nothing. And so and now Cambodia is at zero. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, Japan is I mean, Japan has one of the oldest populations in the world. So you would think they would have some kind of thing. And Japan has done pretty well. Meanwhile, China had a totalitarian response. Other places had totalitarian responses. The point is in, in Vietnam had a somewhat totalitarian response and they wound up doing pretty well. The point is almost no matter what you do in that part of the world, you get a good result. 
which should lead a curious person to wonder if maybe in this part of the world they have some pre-existing immunity to this kind of virus that would explain that whether or not you listen to the public health establishment, you wind up doing okay. Now, one more thing. I'm sorry, I, boy, I had no idea how much I had to say about this till I came on your show. But it is just pouring out here and I can't stop myself. There is one thing I want to I want to say, because I'd like to plug something. I love these charts because they smash this narrative in ways where they're reduced to the most ridiculous special pleading to try to explain away these charts. So somebody on social media said to me, you're so good at publicizing and, and sending out these charts to everybody. Why don't you take the chart instead of having them in 27,000 email newsletters? Why don't you take these charts, put them together side by side in a single presentation so that we can all see them conveniently and show our friends, look, you're ruining your life for nothing, man. You're isolating your grandmother for nothing. Why are you doing this? None of this does any good. And so I did that. I, I, and I made an ebook. It doesn't cost anything. And it's called COVID charts CNN forgot. How, how do you like that? The innocent word. For, they, they actually they just forgot. You know, they're not perfect. They meant yeah, to show you these charts. They just forgot. They just forgot. So I put that. You can get it. It does not cost you anything. It's at chartstheyforgot.com. And if you download that, you're going to be grinning from ear to ear because it's everything you've been thinking for the past year, but in chart form. Well, and the funny thing is, is that some of your charts that you show, as I was just running through your emails today in preparation for this, some of them are right out of like New York Times or whatever. I mean, some of this stuff is is in mainstream media, but they but they always have their silly excuses. I mean, there's just every day I wake up and I think I've seen it all like this, like that I've seen the stupidest thing that mainstream media could possibly serve up. And then they're then they're quarantining stuff that you return from the store. So it, it's, it's always something. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes stuff. Well, let me just jump in if you don't mind. So sometimes it leaks into the mainstream media, but some, but when I credit the, the, these charts and I say the source is the New York Times, I don't always mean the New York Times ran this exact chart. I mean, they have a database of data that you can use to generate your own chart. But most of the time they would die a thousand deaths before showing these charts themselves. Oh, you did, you did a lot of these charts yourself. I got it. So you took the data and then you made it very visual. Um, okay, so like total 90 degrees here, but um, so I'm a refugee from Utah. I fled the socialist state of Utah for Florida. And and I did it for really like we meet people and they, they kind of can't believe us who live here in Florida because they kind of take Governor DeSantis for granted or they don't realize they don't realize because they're seeing what the media has to say about him, like how he's fighting like the big fights. Like he's not just like awake on stuff and saying, we're not going to do mask mandates here. He's, he's gone way bigger than that. So do you have anything to say about the fact that he just banned critical race theory? Total, total change of subject here. Oh, but you're, that's, you're in Florida, right? I am. I am. But you already I, were, right? You just got lucky. I already, I just got lucky. When I, when we moved here five years ago, we had no idea the good fortune we would have in, in being here. It's been amazing watching him especially because in the very beginning, he did go along, as as most of them did, with the 15 days. And then they asked for another 30, and he more or less went along with that. And then he said, all right, I think that's about it. Like, that's, we're not going to, that's it. And so little by little, we got reopened. And then September of last year, it was the full reopening. But he's been solid, not just, as you say, he's been solid on a lot of things. And I think he's, I think right now, he's really emboldened because he realizes that he is basically running 
a counter regime here in Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's like he is standing up to the entire COVID religion and to the and all the other aspects of the religion of Washington, D.C. And he is just saying no to all of them. He's prospering anyway. A chart I just shared today shows the case counts in California and Florida adjusted for population are exactly the same. The death rate is ever so slightly larger in Florida, but that's because Florida has the fifth oldest population. Yeah. California has only the 44th oldest. California should be, mm-hmm. should be fine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they've done all these other things and it, and it hasn't done any good. But, but, uh, but Florida has almost half the unemployment rate, uh, after, after all this. So he has been, and, and as I say, I think he recognizes his own significance right now. A lot yeah. of times politicians have, exaggerated views of their own importance, right? That's not unusual. But in this case, I think he really is as important as he thinks he is. Because I know we have Christy Nome and this and that, but in terms of a big population state, yep. there's nothing like this. And, and Greg Abbott, you know, was all over the place in Texas. And then at, at, when he saw how popular DeSantis was becoming, he wanted a piece of that. That's yeah, not I, don't, the- I don't even believe that's why I don't even believe that's why Abbott did it. I because th- there's a lot of governors who are letting go of their mask mandates. And it's not going to make any difference. You know, all the big corporations are still mandating. It's not a single big corporation that's laying it down. And 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 that might be an interesting place to go, too, because I think that you see strategically like I don't like I've sort of gotten bored by all the discussion of, you know, whether the vaccine works or whatever, because. I'm like at the 35,000 foot view. And for some reason, so I started screaming on February 27th. So you know how early that is. Cause you said yeah. you were yeah. in March, you were still, and, Good and I, you. I, I, well, I wasn't even just screaming on my personal page where there's, you know, just like whatever, 15,000 people following. I was on my public figure page with hundreds of thousands where we, you know, spent $30,000 a month on ads. And so, and, and, and had no idea the kind of backlash that I would get and mass unsubscribes and, and that's when I started to realize just how, how, you know, in the grip of this people were. But, um, I, for some reason, and I don't know why, because I didn't see what was going on with 9-11. I was completely bought in on the whole thing. I could sit here and list for you lots of things that I've woken up to in the last year as I've realized how many scams we've been sold in the, in the media for many, many years. Like, you know, now, now I'm just like, not, not that I believe every single conspiracy theory I'm presented with, but I'm thinking more critically now. Um, so I just realized that we're just being told nonstop lies and have been speaking up about it. But I, I always like, for some reason in this past 13 months, I always see what the big play is. And I'd love if you could think of like something that you wish everybody understood what the big play is. Like when I was saying five days before the Atlanta shooting, and then there was the Boulder shooting. Um, I was like, you guys need to watch for it because they're totally teeing up a false flag event. But the big play is it's all, and there's going to be a bunch of different things that they do. So the Americans support disarming the people because they've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people. So what are some of the things that you wish people knew that you see what the big play is? I mean, think, think, you know, global communism, think like, what, what are you seeing that you you feel like the people you're interacting with don't get it, that you want, want them to know? Well, I, I, I've done episodes uh, of my of the Tom Woods show on, for example, the Great Reset, which is a phrase I wish I had been able to go through the rest of my life never hearing. But it's one of these things that once you hear it, you can never unhear it. And to try to explain to them what some of the people at the very top may actually be wishing for. And in fact, we were talking about this before February 2020. No, 
because I just because it, it wouldn't have occurred to me that some global bureaucrat somewhere had anything but a wish list that was never going to come true. You know, right. they, they they talk a lot about we want a global tax on X and Y, but it's just not going to happen. That, that That's not going to happen. I, that I do not believe because it, there are you know, as awful as a lot of the rulers in the world are. They're also jealous. And like, for example, the idea that there would be a global central bank. No way China is going to let that happen. I mean, maybe the U.S. would be pathetic enough to roll over for that. But the Chinese aren't going to give up their monetary sovereignty to some global center. So so there are some things I don't worry about precisely because I know that politicians are pigheaded and, and whatever. They're not going to let it happen in, in their place because they want a monopoly of exploiting their population. They're not going to give that up to, you know, Klaus Schwab or whatever. But now all of a sudden it's 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 astonishing to me how open uh, they are about it. But but I, but I want to say this. I mean, I don't really go around saying to people, well, this is all a big plot to bring about. So, because maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, that I can't prove. I don't exactly know. What I can prove is that there's no way this is just people innocently trying to pursue your 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 good health. That, that, that we can rule out. That I know that's not it because I, I've shown you all these charts and these people are surely intelligent enough to read charts and yet they're still acting like this. And then no matter what we agree to do and what we consent to, they always demand more and more and more. And yet you can't even tell the difference at this point between places that are going along with them and places that aren't. You can't tell the difference, which is why some people are taking the masks off because they realize this doesn't do anything. Like, I know this does not do anything, obviously. So I, I generally don't say, well, there's a big plot to bring about because I think generally that's probably not going to happen. What I, I, I will say, there are sinister people in the world and that you shouldn't think that, you know, that, that when when in the United States we have an election between John McCain and Barack Obama, that this makes a, a you know, a, a hill of beans worth a difference because both of these people do not have your best interests at heart. Whoever it is they're serving, it ain't you. So I just generally focus on that. But I, I just want to stay focused on on the small stuff It's just look, just. I can show you this isn't doing anything. So therefore, you're being made a fool of. Is That's much easier to convince somebody of than there's a grand uh, uh, activity at work around the world to enslave you. Most people, they're going to turn that right off. They're going to say, you, you must have lost your mind. But if I say, you're being had, like, <laughs> they're laughing at you that you're going along with this stuff. Now, now they're telling you to wear two masks. I mean, come on, man. Look, look at this. Show me which place is doing this and isn't doing this. You can't. So why are you doing it? I just think that works better. So probably a good hybrid would be like somebody should have you on their show for an hour and then Allison McDowell because she's the exact opposite. She, if she, you haven't had her on your show, right? No. Okay. So I, I literally did a three and a half hour um, interview with her and I knew it would be because I had listened to six other talks she had done, all of which were three hours. You cannot, you really cannot interview Allison without it being three and a half hours. And it's three and a half hard hitting hours. Like there's no fluff. There's no repetition. And she is telling you, cause she has literally spent the last several years figuring this out, how the global elite are setting up to, to profit on our mass poverty and how, you know, not just like Marxism, the middle class is being destroyed and, you know, they want a lot more of us in the working class. It, no, it's, Literally, like she knows who they are, like names and corporations and whatever. So you're you're down like showing people with detailed data. You're like almost the the anti Allison, showing people, hey, maths don't work, and I can prove it, and I can prove it in 
in state after state after country after country. So I love that. But you, you two are kind of like the perfect counterpoint. It's kind of fun that I just interviewed her for um, three and a half hours. And, and don't worry, I know you have to go soon. But um, what, what's your what's your goal here? I mean, obviously waking people up, educating people. But what's the best outcome here? Like, what are you working towards? Well, I'm working towards making sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I'm not just focused on this particular thing. But if they see that people just willingly give up everything at the drop of a hat, even when they can see the data all around them, if they even bother to look, then they're going to keep on doing this. Like this is a normal way for us to live. And I want to embolden people to resist that. And what really gets me is there are some people whose entire livelihoods have been ruined by this. I mean, I, I know you could just think of all kinds of people and not just obvious ones, like people who own a bar, but also for example, I know somebody who ran a, a service where they would, for children's birthday parties, they could ride ponies. Well, when parents are panicked and they think that if their child rides a pony at a party with another child, that, that maybe they'll die. And this is completely ridiculous. No, no thinking person should believe this. It ruins your business. So it, and it, it closed. I mean, you can't function anymore. You lose everything that you love. You, you lose it. Or I mean, there are so many people who've had, everything they worked for taken away. And, but what astonishes me is the relative small number of them who say, look, I have to scour the internet to see, is this really as serious as they say? Is there any chance that we're overreacting, that I'm giving up everything I worked for for nothing? Is there any chance of that at all? And doggone it, if you look for it, you can find it. I'm out there. I'm not hard to find online. I am not hard to find. And you hadn't been following me. You found me. And yet how few of these people having everything taken from them, have the slightest curiosity about maybe it was all for nothing. Isn't that amazing that they, they just say, oh, well, that's everything I worked for, but I won't ask any questions. What is wrong? Yeah, there's, We've there's trained a, people to be sheep, honestly. Yeah, by by training, I'm a psychologist and um, I sort of did this little experiment for a few months with a colleague. I won't name him, but he's been a guest on this show. He's a uh, an author, his father was a famous author. See, now I'm too, saying too much. So I won't do any more identifiers except to say he is so completely all in on what the media headlines are that I just used him as an experiment of the, the whole 1960s KGB experiment where they discovered that even for just a couple of months, if enough people tell the same gigantic lie enough times, if you're bombarded with it enough for even just a couple of months, these people are so brainwashed and, and it's people we love and it's people in our own family, every single one of us, people in our own family, people in our neighborhood, people we go to church with, whatever, who believe in it so much. And, and I tested this out with this colleague. We stayed in dialogue for like three months and it was about, it was a very painful three months, right? But we respect each other and, you know, we've collaborated on a number of things because we've been, we've both been health and wellness influencers for many years. And it got to a point where he eventually, he was like, hey, Robin, have you noticed? I would text him maybe every three or four days, like, hey, you should check this out. Um, he sent me a text and he said, I don't know if you've noticed, Robin, but I'm not interested in content like that. I'm not interested in content like that. So so what he means is he he's literally just proving that what they proved in the 1960s via a very famous KGB experiment that you can brainwash really smart people like amazing authors that half a million people follow them online. You can brainwash them to the point that they don't, they will not let any amount of information in. It literally doesn't matter what you present them with. They, have you experienced this? That they just, they're, they're done. They're done thinking. 
Yeah, it's well, I've basically stopped interacting with people like that um, because it's it's pointless. I, I I just produce my material, let it out to the public and let the chips fall where they may. But, yeah, it, it's it's amazing that if you, it's like with with uh, with any with any of these major crises that they try to scare us with anybody who comes along with good news, you would think people would say, oh, thank goodness. Wow. I, I'm so happy to see this bit of good news. No, they treat you like a heretic. Like they want to burn you alive for spreading good news. That is the sickest of, of all the sick phenomena I've observed with this. The absolute allergy to good news is amazing to me. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. But that's actually really scary. And you're not the only one saying it. I stopped talking to this longtime friend and colleague, too. Um, isn't that a little bit scary, though, that we're literally in these echo chambers and we're so divided? It's so classic Marxist. And now we're starting in with the Asian hate story so that we can just continue to be more and more deeply divided. There's this guy I follow. I don't know if you do. He's He goes by legal man. I don't think he ever says his name, but he has a he has a podcast called The Quash. I really I really dig this guy. But he's he's like on the edge of crossing over into being so angry that he might like lose it a little bit. And, and not be able to serve his audience very well anymore because he's so pissed. But he just talks about that we can't live in the, do, I don't know what you think of this, but we really can't live in the same country anymore. The left and the right, like they're, what do you yeah, think? I, I agree. I agree. And I mean, I know that some people listening to us will be, get annoyed at our use of left and right. I'm sure you deal with the same thing I do. Oh, it's not left versus right. It's such and such versus such and such. Okay. But in those such and suches versus such and suches, most of the people against me are on the left. I mean, that's just, I'm sorry. That is the way it is. That's a, yeah, why that's did a that fact. happen? Why did that and, happen? And there's like, no reason for it to happen in Sweden. It's the left wing that wants a more open society. And it's the really? right wing that wants the authoritarian lockdown. Why? It's bizarre. I have no idea. In fact, Martin Koldorf of Harvard medical school, who's been heroic on this, he's a native born Swede and he points this out. And I, I happen to think he, he himself is on the left. But he's kept his politics out of this just because he says there's no reason this should have been politicized. What, what possible reason should there be? He says, if you're on the left, what you have observed is the greatest assault on the working class in 50 years or, or maybe maybe ever in terms of this ridiculous lockdown policy. And you're going to tell me you support the common man and yet you want to destroy his opportunity for livelihood and lock him in his house and make him miserable and kill himself. I mean, what are you kidding me? Okay, so have you heard people's uh, theory that the reason that Sweden didn't lock down is that the cabal, the cabal just kind of let them off the hook. They didn't need them to lock down because they didn't need to, you know, force Sweden into this agenda of tracking them and the whole, like, because they're already doing it. Like, they're already all the way there. Have you heard this? I No, because I, that's implausible because people, every resp so-called respectable voice was screaming at Sweden. I mean, remember, like there was there was no impartial reporting on Sweden. It was screaming and lecturing and berating, scream, 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 scream. They, they were told by that ridiculous Imperial College model that if they yeah. didn't lock down by June, they'd have ninety six thousand deaths. Well, they didn't lock down. I guess Neil Ferguson even employed yeah. still. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that is a that's another matter. By June, they had not locked down. Did they have ninety six? They had four thousand. So the model was off by a factor of 24. Now, that's the story. But is that the story they told? No, the story no. they told was Sweden better lock down, lock down. They're stupid. They're backward. They're Neanderthals. That was all we got. So I'm not sure I buy into that because the screaming was coming from 
everywhere. It's amazing to me that they resisted as much as they did. It's as, and thank goodness they did. Because Sweden, if this thing were as bad as we were told and the lockdowns were as urgent as we were told, Sweden should, it shouldn't even be a contest. Sweden should be number one in deaths by a million. Like not a little. It should be by a million. And it's somewhere like 30, 25, 30, something like that. It's just like Florida. Florida is like 27 or 28 in deaths out of 50. But Florida is one of the oldest populations and it's had tourists coming in and out and it hasn't been closed. It should be number one, number one, I mean, by a mile. Yep. And it's, it's, it's below the middle of the pack. Yep. And well, and, and, and DeSantis uses that argument so well because he's now up against our uh, fake president. I mean, our fake president is, uh, I refuse to call him our president. It's not my president, but our fake president is, throwing it down on Biden, or at least was testing the waters and saying, well, we might impose travel restrictions. That would be really horrible for Florida if he tried to say, you know, there's two week quarantine if you go in or out of Florida. And and, and DeSantis was very bold. God, I love watching that guy on the media because he doesn't get super hot under the collar, but he just lasers right in on the numbers. And he's like, there's 28 states with higher per capita infection hospitalization than us. Don't even think about it. It was, it was so awesome. Okay. So last question before we go to how people can find you. Um, cause I know you have a long drive ahead of you today. I saw, um, that you interviewed a guy named Ivor Cummins and I, and I didn't know who he was, but I saw a 20 year immunologist saying in your comments on that blog post, I'm going to share this with my students. This was so great. And I know that. It got removed from Facebook. So as a fellow, uh, you know, person being persecuted by all these platforms, I'm sorry that happened. And I bet I could go find the Ivor Cummins, uh, interview. But what was so, what was so crazy about it that, that they, that they removed it? Your, your title to it was, you write great headlines. Ivor Cummins answers forbidden YouTube questions and sure enough. COVID questions, forbidden COVID questions. Okay. Um, well, yeah, well, it was taken down from YouTube, not Facebook, but yeah. And YouTube therefore proved our point. I guess they are forbidden questions. <laughs> I guess so. Well, Ivor Cummins has been, uh, you really should follow him, uh, on, t- uh, Twitter, uh, or any of these uh, or alternatives to Twitter. He's everywhere. He's fat emperor is his, is his handle there. He has done some of the most heroic analytics of this from the very beginning. In fact, the last time I interviewed him, I had more downloads. Yeah, because of course it's still up. You can get it at tomwoods.com. It's on my, it's on the Tom Woods show podcast feed. It's just not, what I do is I have an audio only show. I don't do video, but in order to reach as many people as possible, I make a video version, but it's just the audio with my show logo as the, as the graphic. And, and that way I, you know, get a, a, some more people. I, I, last time I had him on, the numbers just were through the roof because his name alone gets people to go watch. And that I think was precisely the problem. I think YouTube is keeping an eye on anything with his name on it because there's no way by the time that video had so-called video, it's just the audio with a graphic. By the time that had come out, it had barely come out. It, it it was so soon that it it maybe only had 6,000 views. I mean, it was very few relatively speaking, compared to the gazillion videos on YouTube, how would they have known about it so soon? I think it's because there are certain key words that attract extra attention. And I think Ivor Cummins has become that. There's nothing wrong with that interview. It's it's episode number, I've been at this a long time, Robin, 1862 of the Tom Woods Show. It's been a I while, but doing this a long time. So tomwoods.com slash 1862 is where the, the episode is still up there. 
There's nothing wrong with this interview. There, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing crazy. Well, I wanted you to tell me the super sexy bit from it. Like, yeah, no, I'd love to say that we were saying that if you let a tarantula crawl on you, it cures the virus. I mean, we, <laughs> there was nothing. I mean, literally nothing that was any different from it. So it makes me wonder, have they not listened to any of my other episodes? Because they don't like this one. I got a whole bunch that they're not, not going to like. So it, it does speak to the importance of using and, and shame on me for being so slow to do this, frankly. Uh, these alternative platforms for video that have been popping up. So BitChute is one of them and uh, Odyssey is one and Rumble is one. And I, I'm in the coming weeks, I will be getting on those platforms as well. I'm not going to, I don't believe in shooting myself in the foot. I'm not going to leave YouTube in some pointless protest that they're not even going to notice because people find out about me on YouTube. Uh, that's a lot of times it's the recommended videos. And then they, they read, they watch one, then they watch another one. I've had so many people follow me because of that. And I want people to hear what I'm saying about this because I'm telling them the truth. So I'll stay on there as long as I can. But in the meantime, I'm going to build myself up elsewhere because what else can I do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I get people scolding me all the time because I haven't left Facebook. And I'm like, hey, I've spent thousands of hours building a career here on Facebook. I can't just pull the plug. Oh, and, and, and plus, it's, it's I think, strategically, you should you should gain a beachhead in enemy territory if you possibly yeah. can. I mean, there, there's there's no army in world history that said, well, that's our enemy. We, we can't possibly cross that border. But that's the point of a war is to cross the border and go in there and win. You know, so that's what I think of myself as doing. No, it's absolutely true. Well, thank you for everything that you do. Tell my listeners where they can start following you. The best way is to get that ebook, and that's at chartsthayforgot.com. And if you're listening to this on the go, the even easier way, if you're in the U.S., you can get the ebook by texting a word to the number 33444. And that magic word is the word forgot. You know, because CNN just forgot to show you these charts. So if you text the word forgot, to the number 33444. You'll get the ebook and you get my email newsletter. You can, if you don't want that, you can unsubscribe with one click. But I'm telling you, once you start reading that thing, you're going to say, because I, I, I'm telling you, I pour my, my soul into that thing. Um, you're going to say, I'm glad I'm getting it because this, this confirms to me that I'm not the crazy one. And frankly, no matter how knowledgeable you are about this, we all need to be reminded of that sometime that it's not us who's crazy. Well, God bless you, Tom Woods, for all your amazing work. Thank you so much for being on my show today. Pleasure was mine.